Hello and welcome to a special episode of The Paranormal Sun, coming to you live from Tower Studios. As always, I'm JT, and I'll be your tour guide as we explore the unexplained. Well, good afternoon, everyone. I hope that you're happy, healthy, and well wherever you are. I hope that those of you in the American Northeast and parts of Canada aren't completely covered in snow. I know you got a heck of a snowstorm there, so stay safe. As for everyone else, uh, I know that several countries, obviously, are still going through the COVID lockdown protocols, so hopefully this clears up uh, sooner rather than later, of course, and I wish you all the best. As for here in Tower Studios, I've been very, very busy, burning the candle at both ends, trying to get a lot of this stuff that I needed to get done in the background out of the way. Now, I'm probably only halfway through all of that. But very soon I'm going to have to put that aside and get into recording the premiere episode for Season 3, which is going to be really exciting. Now, I don't know for sure, folks, but I would say looking at the amount of information I've already gathered, and I did that all in one sitting, I've still got more to go through. There's still some things I want to flesh out. I would say that's going to be a two-part episode, so that will keep me quite busy. So you can look for that, as I said, on February the 10th. That'll definitely be out. So I'm not going to do News of the Damned. As you know, we're here to cover CIA files, but just some very brief commentary on what's been going on. The whole deal with the GameStop and the silver shorting and all of that. Folks, anyone who thinks that this behavior is anything new just really needs to go and educate themselves because this has been going on longer than any of us has been alive. I remember in the 1980s, uh, I think it might have been early seven or late 70s, like 79, I remember two brothers got together and tried to corner the silver market and drove silver to an all-time high, which at the time was over $80 an ounce, and it's still been the all-time high. You go back over the years, you go back to things like the, the Teapot Dome scandal. That was another effort by certain individuals to corner the stock market in certain ways. And anyone who thinks that stocks and shares aren't manipulated is just fooling themselves. That's my personal opinion. But the powers that be and the federal authorities that are supposed to be sorting all of this out, uh, look, I'm sure there are some very genuine and very good people in those agencies that are trying to do their best. But the agencies as a whole, in my personal opinion, and people who are much more intelligent than I have been in the game a long time and have made a lot of money from it. They all know this is for show. And even if something happens and people go down, it's never the guys at the top. It's always those middling managers and those sorts. So don't fool yourself for a minute to think that you and I are playing a fair game when we're dealing with things like the stock market, not only in the U.S., but worldwide. It goes back to, I believe it was one of the Rothschilds, and to paraphrase what he said, is that... I care not for who is elected into government. Give me give me the control of a country's monetary policy, and I don't care who's in charge, basically, because that's how you rule nations. And it's true. No nation on earth can really survive without having some kind of income and a budget and everything else. It's just the reality of it all. I've long said on this program and elsewhere, again, not to be divisive, it's not about race, okay? It's The powers that be only use race as a dividing tool. It's about rich versus poor. 
And the sooner people come to that realization, I think that they'll be much better off. When you look at why things are done and how things are done, it's so that this, the uber-rich can control us. There's no difference between wearing shackles of iron and shackles of gold. The only difference is that many times those who are wearing shackles of gold don't necessarily see that they're under control. So, yeah, folks, do your due diligence. Look into this stuff. Do your own research. Get your hands on some physical gold and silver if you can. Try and have your hands on things that actually have tangible value. If you own gold certificates, you might as well just own stocks. There's there's no value in it. If there is ever a run on gold and silver, you'll never get your money. Own the physical. You're better off to have yourself a few hundred dollars worth of silver coins than you are thousands of dollars worth of gold or silver certificates because when the shit hits the fan, the reality is it's going to be good for one thing, and that's toilet paper. So, yeah, folks, just do your due diligence and always look after yourself and your loved ones, number one. Things like property or gold or silver or art, anything like that, gemstones that's got actual value, you're much better off holding that than stocks and bonds and shares. Now, I'm not saying they don't have value. Of course, you can make money off of them. But at the end of the day, when anything breaks down anywhere, look at countries like Zimbabwe when it broke down financially. Look at countries like Colombia and Cuba. When these countries break down on an economic level, gold and silver will always hold their value. So I'm not saying go and take your entire life savings and buy bricks of gold. I'm just saying hedge your bets. Me personally, I've always done my best to keep some gold and silver on hand so that if anything happens, you've always got a hedge. And like I say, silver is much more easy to get a hold of and it's much easier to afford. The problem with silver is if you want to start affording large quantities, you're not going to go walking around with a 10-pound bar of silver and not expect to get robbed. So yeah, folks, there's a reason why gold and silver have stayed uh, as a value of wealth for over 6,000 years in humanity where paper where paper and other based uh, fiat currencies have come and gone. Just remember, at the end of the day, if you don't hold it, you don't own it. That is the reality. It's the same with property. I mean, yes, you may have to pay property taxes and everything else, but at least you can defend your property at the end of the day. You can't defend stocks and bonds. I mean, what are you going to do, march down to Coca-Cola and say, I want a corner of the building? because I've got a thousand shares. So yeah, folks, all I'm saying is do your due diligence. Make sure you cover and protect yourself at times like these, because I hope for the best, but I don't see things turning around in the near term. And I think the economies are just going to continue to, at best, just kind of stumble along. So with that diatribe aside, folks, again, I just want to make sure that you're in the best position you can be. It's been an interesting week aside from that. As always, there's always something going on, and when there's things like this going on, you always want to kind of see what else is going on, because oftentimes they're trying to direct your attention away from something else. But I digress, and now we're going to get into the CIA files, or we'll be here all night with me standing on my soapbox <laughs> telling you uh, what my personal feelings are about uh, finances and governments and everything else. So now we're going to get into our CIA files for this episode. Now, again, for those of you who may just now be catching on to this, 
John Greenwald, who is the founder of the Black Vault website, which has been around since the 90s, and he does excellent work. He did several FOIA requests to get his hands on these CIA files, which there are about 2,700 documents. And then he released them for all of us to have the opportunity to go through and read and digest these materials. So again, if there are any of these documents you'd like to know more about, or you'd like a copy of the documents, just send me an email at theparanormalsun at gmail.com and let me know the document number you'd like to have, and I'll happily email it to you because I've got these all in PDF form. So as I go through tonight, I will tell you the document number and just make sure, like I say, any questions you've got that you ask me about those specific document numbers. So we're both on the same page, and it makes it nice and easy. Okay, so here we are, and as some of the long-term listeners to this series would know, it's just all lucky dip, right? So I basically get around five files an episode, and I just read through them, and we see what they have. So I don't take them in order. I basically draw them out. So there's all mixed from the 50s up to the 90s and early 2000s. And it's quite interesting. And every episode of this I've done, I've found some very interesting things in these files. So the first one, which we will refer to as Document 19, this is another one of the CIA's coverage, it looks like, uh, of foreign media. So this one is, again, uh, labeled very similar, saying that this is for FBI eyes only. Tapes not ordered within 30 days will be erased. And this one is subject television program summary 10-1800, so uh, J-O-H-91. So I would say, yeah, July 10th, 1991. Johannesburg in South Africa, and this was in Afrikaans. So for those of you who don't know, uh, under apartheid, the white population or more European population of South Africa, they're generally uh, Dutch Boers, so Dutch ancestry, that now live in South Africa and have since the 1600s, many of them. And they speak a language called Afrikaans, which is not exactly Dutch. And over the years, it's basically evolved into its own language. So if you speak Dutch or German, you've got a fair idea of what they're saying, but not exactly. Okay, so text. Announcer introduced video report on President Bush's announcement on the lifting of U.S. sanctions against South Africa. So this will be the first President Bush, uh, George Walker Bush, off the top of my head. Uh, Announcer read report on a statement issued by President de Klerk. So this is when de Klerk and Mandela were trying to work out post-apartheid. Well, around this time. It wasn't quite yet. Uh, de Klerk welcoming the lifting of U.S. sanctions against South Africa. Announcer introduced video report on South African Foreign Minister Peek Botha welcoming the lifting of U.S. sanctions. Announcer read report on local reaction to the lifting of sanctions. So oftentimes, folks, when I'm pausing, I'm just skimming through trying to find the UFO tie-in here. Uh, announcer introduced video report on the British Foreign Secretary calling for investment in South Africa.
Okay, business news. Okay, so I'm struggling to find the UFO tie-in. Just give me a minute, folks. What I've been doing oftentimes with this is I will just pause and through the magic of editing not make you sit here with me for five minutes while I try and find what I'm looking for. So just give me a minute here. Okay, folks, I'm back, and I've got a bit of good news and a bit of bad news. So the good news is I found the section in this document about the UFO. So this one is, Announcer introduced video report on reaction to the UFO sighting in Johannesburg yesterday, which would have been the 9th of July, 1991. Now the bad news is that through a 10-minute Google search, I haven't been able to find any more about it. There was a 1991 case in South Africa, but nowhere near Johannesburg, and in April. And then the next well-known UFO sighting in South Africa was in 1993. So it is interesting. Nonetheless, I can't find much on it. So maybe it's been explained in the interim. Maybe it was misidentified as something else, as oftentimes these things do. But that is document 19, so if you'd like to know about about that a bit more, or you'd like the document... Just drop me an email and ask for it, and I'll send it through to you, no problem. So now we're going to move on to Document 20. Now, Document 20, this is very interesting. And this one is titled, Guidance to UFO Photographers. And it is basically an SOP, or a standard operating procedure, about taking photos of UFOs. So it says, 1. Have camera set at infinity. 2. Fast films such as Tri-X is very good. 3. For moving objects, shutter speeds not slower than one hundredth of a second should be used. Shutter and f-stop combination will depend upon lighting conditions, dusk, cloudy days, bright sunlight, etc. If your camera does not require such settings, just take the pictures. 4. Do not move camera during exposure. 5. Take several pictures of the object, as many as you can. If you can, include some ground in the picture of the UFO. 6. If the object appears to be close to you, a few hundred feet or closer, try to change your location on the ground so that each picture or few pictures are taken from a different place. A change in position of 40 or 60 feet is good. This establishes what is known as a baseline and is helpful in technical analysis of your photography. If the object appears to be far away, a mile or so, remain about where you are and continue taking pictures. A small movement here will not help. However, if you can get in a car and drive half, one half to a mile or so and take another series of pictures, this will help. 7. After pictures of UFOs have been taken, remain where you are. Now slowly turning 360 degrees, take overlapping, eye-level photography as you turn around. By this technique, the surrounding countryside will be photographed. This photography is very valuable for the analysis of the UFO you have just photographed. 8. The original negative is a value. Be sure it is processed with care. 9. If you can, have another negative made from the original. 10. Any reproductions you have made for technical study and analysis should be made from the original negative and should be printed to show all the picture, including the border and even the sprocket hole area, if, you, if your film has them. So... Very interesting. It's got no other identifying characteristics, i.e. who it's from, who wrote the memo, etc. But I find it interesting because I am i haven't taken a lot of photographs for a long time, and I never did it professionally, but that is very sound advice. 
And it tells me that at the very least, the CIA had enough photos sent to them and enough information about it that they could write a memo on how to best take photos of these UFOs. So again, if this was all the planet Venus or swamp gas or meteors or anything else, why would you be going through the the time to write up this document to tell people how to best take photos of these UFOs? So that tells me that at least at the core, they knew there was some kind of interest to be had in this phenomenon. Very interesting. So that is file number 20. So here we are, folks. Now we are on to document number 21. And this one is dated 9th of February, 1978, to Chief Domestic Collection Division. So Chief of Domestic Collection Division. From Chief of the Minneapolis Office. Report of UFO at time of Soviet satellite failure. So this is already sounding very interesting to me. At 4.30 on 8 February 1978, Redacted, who works for the Redacted, reported information that might relate to the Soviet satellite that fell in Canada on Tuesday, the 24th of January. He said that while going to work a week ago, Friday the 27th of January, he was on the bridge in Redacted, going over towards Redacted, and he observed an odd object coming down in the sky. No description was obtained. Which is very strange to me. 2. We said we would pass this information on to the Air Force, and if they wanted to contact him for more information, we would give the Air Force his name and telephone number. 3. For the record, in the event that anyone is tracking UFOs, we forward the following. Redacted, which will be his name and where he works. Telephone, redacted. And then everything at the bottom, redacted. So basically, this is someone in the CIA saying that they had someone come forward to say they saw something, in the area uh, on the same day or roughly the same time that the Soviet satellite fell. Um, okay, so Soviet satellite fell on the 24th. He said that when he was going to week on the 27th, he saw something. So they're basically passing on the information of this eyewitness on to someone else, uh, either a department within the CIA or someone else. But yeah, just another one of those little breadcrumbs. Very, very interesting. Again, it's just, I don't find any, I haven't found anything in these episodes yet that hasn't had at least something that's piqued my interest. So very interesting, short and sweet document there. Document number 21. So here we are now moving on to document number 22. And this is another one of those that's got the the circulation where it's gone to. And again, Wright Patterson, Secretary of State, Washington, D.C., CIA sites around the world, Fort Bragg. It's very interesting, again, that these sort of things were circulated at a very high level. And this one is, again, it looks like it's covering uh, local coverage of media and this is from the philippines and this was from kizon city tv program and this was from the 11th of september i don't have a year here though it looks like maybe september 2000 but we'll find out maybe as we go through reception good figures indicate time in minutes seconds since start a program now again what i've been doing recently folks is just 
skipping through and trying to find the important stuff. But I do read a little bit so you got an idea of what was going on in the world at that time. 25 armed men abduct three Malaysians, kidnappers reportedly heading towards Philippines. Government confirms kidnapping. Video shows old footage of area where Sipadan hostages were abducted. Government sends emissary to negotiate for release of lone Filipino hostage. Uh, and it's got approved for release here from the CIA on July in July of 2002. Um, freed French hostage went scuba diving. Video show hostage going scuba diving. Sipadan kidnapping recalled. Live report by GMA reporter from Malaknang. Estrada orders naval blockade to prevent kidnappers of three Malaysians from entering Philippine territory. Okay. Ferry boat sinks. Ten people dead. Weather Bureau cannot confirm presence of unidentified flying objects in Las Pinas, Manila. Video shows man claiming to have seen UFOs. Okay, so again, we're just going to... I don't have a year here, which is very frustrating, but I'm just going to... Uh, through the magic of editing, I'm just going to stop and I'm going to see if I can find anything about these Las Penas UFOs. Okay, so lo and behold, folks, I think I've found the incident involved. So I would say this document came from 2000 and it says here, 2000 Las Penas UFO incident. Antonio Israel, 37, claimed that he videotaped alleged small balls of light dancing frenetically in the evening sky over his Silver Street neighborhood. Carmela Holmes 4 in Las Pinas in sep on September 3rd, 2000. So again, this uh, media, I think it was a TV station, came out on the 11th of September. Uh, the shouts of Israel's neighbors can be heard on the video footage as the sight made them gasp in awe and disbelief. Israel claimed the UFOs were also seen by a nearby barangay and possibly other residents. There's another event in 2004. Uh, in Las Pinas, but it doesn't line up. It, it it was in August, so I would say, uh, although August is close to September, I would say that this 2000 case was the one we're talking about. Uh, yeah, and I've just got a couple of other documents here. I'm just going to have a very close look. So again, this one basically repeats the last, uh, the same as the last, but there was another one in 1993. Uh, and then one more here, folks. We're just going to, oh boy, I'm just looking at a map and it's basically a map with all of these UFO sightings in Manila. And wow, there are a lot um, around kind of between Quezon City and uh, General Trias. And so basically there's a peninsula in Manila uh, between the lagoon, between the Laguna de Bay and the ocean. And on this peninsula, there have been a heck of a lot of sightings over the years. Very interesting. So, yeah, folks, um, again, here we go. Here's another one. Doesn't sound like a lot, but once I've actually dug into the background, very interesting. So, again, that one is document 22 if you want to know more about that. And looking at some of the date marks in that on here, it's got September 00. So I would definitely say that this is the case they were talking about on this program. So we've got one more here for you tonight, folks, and this one is document 23, and this is another short but sweet one, and it's got a couple of redacted pieces, and then it says, Site Contacts New York 7866, Contacts slash Washington, 
and then it's got redacted, RE case redacted, and contact slash Washington looks like 75335. Believe established agent channels redacted in New York will handle ord requests for UFO fact or fancy most expeditiously. If we get into these routine film actions, it generally tends to confuse the harmonious redacted relationship on film procurement. Redacted BT. And then everything at the bottom is redacted. And this was approved for release on the 17th of November, 1978. So this would be... Oh, yeah. Okay. So here's a timestamp. It looks like April 10th of 1959, something like that. But again, folks, it's just things like... You, you get ones like this where there's not a whole lot that you can gather from it. And then you get ones like this, these UFO cases in Manila in the Philippines. So yeah, very interesting, my friends, and yep, just another five documents for you to scratch your heads about, ask the same kind of questions that I have, and if you want to know more, ask for the document number, send me an email, I'll be happy to send it to you in a PDF format. Outside of that, folks, I've got to get back to all the things I have cooking in the background. I don't know if you'll get a weekend UFO file dump at this point. But we'll see. Okay, I'll do my best. But again, I've got a lot of things to try and get through before I even start recording the premiere episode of season three. So keep your eyes and your ears peeled for new episodes. I'll have this out shortly tonight for you to enjoy. Take care. Have a safe week. And I'll talk to you soon.